You are listening to the Pursuit Church Essay Podcast. We are a group of imperfect, real people on a mission to pursue God and love people. From wherever you are listening, we hope that you are encouraged by this week's message. It's my beautiful bride, Karen. Most of you probably know her, but in case you don't, uh, you know, we figured it was really appropriate for us to preach this uh, inaugural message together. Yeah, like peanut butter and jelly. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So I'm going to have Karen lead us in prayer to get started, and then we're going to get right into God's Word today. We always pray before we try to disseminate the Word of God, so we are going to pray right now. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for this day. We just thank you for who you are. Your character is never in question, God. You are good, and you love us, and you have good things planned for us, Lord, and we just thank you for that. We thank you for your Holy Spirit that leads us and guides us. And, Father, I just pray that you push me and Bob out of the way. Speak through us. Um, push, pack, push past anything that's in us that might get in the way of the work that you want to do, Lord. Use our mouths. We surrender our mouths, our vocal cords, our minds to you, Lord. Use us however you choose, Father, and let your word speak through us, and let every single one of us be changed in our hearts. In the mighty name of Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen. 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 Let me, let me get on my correct side. Whenever we preach, I'm always on this side, so I, I got to make sure I'm in the <laughs> right place. It's one of those little things. Anyway, so I just want to ask you, um, you've heard the story of the Titanic, right? This giant ocean liner. Well, the story of the Titanic, it always intrigues me because you think about it, it was built to be this mighty, powerful ship. It was luxurious. It was ahead of its time. It was truly a Renaissance vessel. <clears throat> Excuse me. Anyway, it was built to be unsinkable. And it was so much so, the architects or the engineers thought it was so unsinkable that they didn't plan to put enough lifeboats on it, right? Even the captain of the ship was so sure of the strength and the ability of the ship and his own skills that he was given warning after warning that danger was ahead as he was sailing, but he didn't heed the warnings. He went ahead, he leaned on his um, own strength, his own ability, and what he had been told about the sturdiness of the ship, and we all know how that ended, right? The ship sunk. It hit an iceberg and it sunk. You know, I think that sometimes we can be a little bit like the Titanic. We have decisions and, um, and problems that we face in life, and sometimes we tend to look at what others around us are doing, maybe what we read in um, the media, mainstream media, social media. We look at what they're doing, and we also may even lean on our own education, our own skill sets, our own experience. And there's nothing wrong with that. But I'm just saying, if that's all you're using to make a decision or to um, respond to the world around you, then that's not necessarily reliable. We are limited. Yeah, that's right. Even scientists who form these great theories and prove things, they're limited. They're just relying on what they know. That's limited. Come on, that's good. It's very limited. And you know, like sometimes, um, second water break. <clears throat> I want to share with you today, if I may, that there is a reliable source that we can count on. It's accurate, it's thorough, and it's true. Yeah, it's good. When we need answers, there is a reliable source. There's a source that provides an anchor for our lives. It's good. So that whenever the winds of change are blowing around us, we stay anchored and we don't flow here and there and get off into some, some place we don't want to be. So everyone here has heard of God, right? 
We all have our own paradigm through which we view him, our own opinion of God or what he may be or may not be. And, you know, some people, they know God intimately, right? Some people think they do. And then others don't even want to give God a chance. They don't trust him. Things have happened, and they're, they're in pain. They're angry. They don't trust God. They don't even want to give him an opportunity to get to know him. The one thing that we can rely on is that God is, or we can believe together is God yeah, is, come on. Right? That's right? There's a theologian and scholar, his name is A.W. Tozer, and he once said that whatever comes into mind, in our minds, when we think about God, speaks more about us. In other words, whatever comes into our minds when we think about God is the most important thing about us. That's right. So let me ask you this question. What comes into your mind when you think about God? What comes into your mind when you think about God? Why is that important? As our Dr. Tozer has told us, because what you think about God shapes your paradigm. It shapes your perspective. It shapes how you view him. So it's really important. Let's, we want to think today about God, <laughs> if I could. We, we, we want to share some things that maybe we ought to be thinking about God. And the first thing we'd like to, to share is that God's character is consistent. God's character is consistent, and specifically within his character, his love is consistent. We can count on that. You see, God loves us and he created us for relationships with him and with others. It's the same today just as it has been from the beginning. That has not changed. All throughout the Bible, in God's word, we read of his love for us. John chapter 3 verse 16 says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only son for us. Romans chapter 8 verse 37 says, We are more than conquerors through God who loves us. And in Psalm 86, 15, we read, But you, O Lord, are a God merciful and gracious, slow to anger, and abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness. I could go on and on. I, I could find you a hundred different scriptures that talks about God's love for us. But you get the point. God loves. But you know, there's some people, sometimes they're religious people, who claim that in order for God to love us, we have to do something, right? We have, to, we have to perform X, Y, and Z. I'm here to tell you that's not true. I'm here, to, I'm here to tell you, but let me show you that God says that's not true, okay? In Malachi chapter 3, verse 6, it says, For I, the Lord, do not change. Therefore, you, O children of Jacob, are not consumed. You see, God's character is unchanging. We can count on it. In a confusing and chaotic world, we can count on God's consistency. We can count on God's love. Over and over in the Bible, we see God giving people chance after chance after chance. Sometimes two and three and four chances. I know in my life, God gives me a new chance every day. Because Lord knows I mess up on the regular. Every day, there's something I don't do that I probably should do, or there's something I should do that I shouldn't do, right? Thank, yeah, anyone out there, you know, you guys, come on now, you, you, help, you can help us preach today, by the way. This is a, <laughs> preaching is a participatory activity, by the way. That's, we, we believe that here at Pursuit Church. We, we believe that, 
that the word is interactive, okay? So I'm, I'm just giving you permission to, to participate with us here, okay? You know, it, it just, it, she's next. Go. <laughs> I was just letting him roll. I, I'm just going to turn, I'm going to shut up for a minute. So we're talking about God and how his love and character are consistent and that religion requires things of us sometimes. But um, religion also tells us that if we don't do what, you know, we're supposed to do or what they deem we should do, that we don't measure up. And they have all these measuring points, things that you got to do, the way you got to dress. And, you know, in the original law that God gave his people, there were only 10 things that he said, 10 and even the Jewish leaders back then added 600 more, 600 plus more to the 10 things that God said from the beginning. And you know, just like they did back then, religion now does the same thing. Come they on. add things that are required of us. For example, you go and you have to say your prayers a certain way. You have to dress a certain way. You walk into the church and you need to do this. Don't do that. You know, when I was a little girl growing up in Houston, Texas, this was a long time ago, this was back in the 60s, and um, I used to go to this little church in the neighborhood, it was a Southern Baptist church, and they used to tell us that women and girls had to wear dresses to church. Okay, y'all, that's Houston, Texas. It was hot, it was humid in the sun, all the time. It didn't matter, summer, winter, it was always hot. And there's still churches nowadays that require women to cover their heads when they come in. Y'all, this is, we're in San Antonio, Texas. It's Come too on. hot for all of that. God didn't say to do all that. He said, just love. Like he loves, we are to love. You know, in the complicated world that we live in, where things change all the time, the one thing that doesn't change is God's love. Wow, that's His good. His love is consistent. It's pure, it's unchanging, and it's faithful. It's the same yesterday, today, and tomorrow. And it's really a deep love. And, you know, I understand that it can be hard to grasp that kind of love, that deep, unchanging, unconditional love that God has for us. But I think the reason that makes it so difficult for us to understand that is because we view the love of God through our own paradigm yeah. or how we define love. Yeah. And, you know, that's where we need to change our perspective. In this world that we live in, love is conditional. I'll give you an example. I loved the Houston Texans until they traded Hopkins <laughs> and J.J. Watt. Uh-oh. <laughs> Have you ever heard of someone tell you, someone's told you before, oh, I love you so much, I love you forever, and then they break your heart? We all have, right? Safe to say. If you're grown, probably it's happened to you. But we can't define the love of God by the love that we give or get oh, from so others. Oh, that's so good. Come on. Come on, yeah. That's, good. That's, that's really good. We can't define the love of God by what the world views as love. That's not the same love. The fact that you're sitting here right now, breathing, listening to this message is a testament to the true and unchanging love of God. Yeah. After all so that good. you've been through in your life, think about that. You're yep. still here because right. God loves you, and he has a plan, and he's not done yet. You know, so he doesn't good. give up on us. And even when we give up on ourselves, God doesn't give up on us. That's right. You see, God actually is love. Yeah. It's just not what he does. It's actually, his word says, it's actually who he is. It's his character. It's his essence. Okay? First John chapter 4, verse 16 says this. So we have come to know and to believe 
the love that God has for us. God is love. And whoever abides in love abides in God, and God abides in him. Wow. In fact, God knew that we would have such a hard time really understanding and grasping his love, much less giving it back to him, that he gave us a beautiful example in his son, Jesus Christ. That's how God expressed his love to us. All throughout the New Testament, we see the love of God expressed through Jesus. Jesus healed the sick. He raised the dead. He made the blind to see. He fed the hungry. He prayed for others, and he still prays for us. Do you know that what Jesus' full-time job is right now? Do you know what his full-time job is right now? To pray for you. He is interceding at this moment. He is at the right hand of God. Come on. So we talk a lot about what Jesus did while he was on the earth. Wonderful, beautiful. The Bible's full of it. But sometimes we forget to remember that Jesus is still at work. He's still working on your behalf. He's still interceding for you and I at the right hand of God. What a a beautiful picture of love that that is for us. And God wants us to be healed, whole, and filled with love so that we can share it with others. Romans chapter 5 verse 8 says, But God shows his love for us in that while we were still sinners, he died for us. That Christ died for us. You see, sin comes between us and God. But Jesus died to reconcile us to a loving father. It's called the great exchange. You know, our pain, our confusion, our brokenness, in exchange for a freedom-based relationship with God. What, what a beautiful exchange that is. God loves us. That is his character. That is God's character, is love. Yeah, so when we need to know how to live and function and and have our being in this world, this world around us that's tumultuous, it seems like things are ever-changing. We have a lot of opinions, and we don't know which way to go. So when we need to learn, when we need to know how to live in the world we're in, God is the true answer to our doubts, our fears, and our problems. You know, political, social, and racial injustice poverty, disease, those things have already been around for thousands of years. That's nothing new to the world that we live in right now. And all throughout history, we see people reacting to those things, what's going on around them. And even us, we react as well, right? When something happens, you tend to react, knee-jerk reaction, right? But God, in his love for us, wants to show us how to respond as opposed to reacting. That's so good. That's really good. You know, Scripture tells us that a fruit of the Holy Spirit is self-control. When we live with the Holy Spirit leading and guiding us, we're able to respond instead of react. And when we react to a situation, we all know that most of the time we don't necessarily react appropriately or well, right? Right. And God knows that. So he gave us the fruit of the Holy Spirit to give us self-control. God shows us how to live from a position of steadiness, not easily moved by the things that are swirling all around us. In Hebrews 6.19, it says that we see Jesus as a sure and steadfast anchor for our souls, a hope that we can hold on to. Jesus anchors our hope to God. Amen. That's good. Now, if you think about an anchor, when an anchor is let down by where the ship is, it's not 
the ship doesn't stay right there where the anchor is. The ship floats on top of the water. The anchor is there to hold it in place so that it doesn't float away, right? Jesus is the anchor that holds us steadfast into the Word of God so that the things going on around us don't move us too far away from the truth of God's Word. Amen. God's Word, God, is a true source for guidance in our lives. Absolutely. That's something else maybe we should be thinking about when we think about God, that He actually guides us in our life. Let me ask you this. Has anybody ever driven in a snowstorm? Can I get anybody? Any, anybody ever driven in a snowstorm? Okay. Well, <laughs> we had that pleasure several years back. It was a nightmare. <laughs> yeah, it was pretty much a nightmare. So let me, let me kind of tell you about that just for a minute. We were up in Colorado, we were on our way to what we were hoping was going to be a great vacation, uh, driving to uh, Steamboat Springs, right? So we're, we're driving, we're driving, and we get on this uh, mountain road that's very windy. Uh, looking at the map, we knew it was kind of windy and, and uh, high. You know, gosh, it was probably, I don't know, seven, 8,000 feet up uh, at least. And about 10 minutes into the drive, a snowstorm comes up. Now, for those of you that are familiar with snow, and this old Texas and California boy was not familiar with snow, and this Texas girl is definitely not familiar Absolutely with snow, not. <laughs> uh, you know, that was, a, that, was a, that, that was a different situation for yeah. us, okay? So it wasn't just snowing, so let me be clear. This is what they call a whiteout blizzard. Yeah. Now, for those of you that know what I'm talking about, cool, but in case you don't, a whiteout blizzard is when the snow is blowing so hard and the wind is blowing so hard, you literally are blinded. You, you cannot see really in front of you, yeah. okay? And so here we are on this mountain road. We can't really turn back. We're, we're there, okay? <laughs> And we got to find a way to get to the end of this mountain road and over to Steamboat Springs. So for the first few minutes, we didn't really know what to do. I'm just being honest. I mean, we're like, uh, what do we do here? I, was, well, we were, I, I knew what to do. I knew not to try to tell him how to drive. Well, that I was probably a good be idea. Be quiet. Yeah. <laughs> that was thing number one. That but, was a miracle. But that actually didn't stop her. But anyway, moving on. Um, <laughs> so here we are driving and we were just hoping not to run the car off the road. I mean, that was really our first goal is, you know, let's just not get killed here, right? As we continued to drive, though, we were able to look or find kind of two fixed points, though, that actually helped us eventually get to the other side. Number one, I was able to see the taillights in front of me. Now, that's all I was able to see, literally just the taillights in front of me. So what the taillights provided me was, was two things. One, is a, a reference so I wouldn't run into the car in front of me, right? And two, and this was probably just as important or more important, as I saw the direction that the taillights would take, that helped me see the direction of the road, right? So as the taillights would kind of veer to the left, I could anticipate the road was about to turn to the left and vice versa when it would turn to the right and so forth. So that, that was one thing. The other, uh, you know, um, guy marker that we were able to see were these snow poles. Now, again, those of you that are familiar with driving the snow, you know what I'm talking about. But on the edge of the road, there were these snow poles. And again, these snow poles provided uh, a couple different things for us. One, they, they provided a, a depth for how deep the snow was, right? Because there's little markers on these poles, two feet, three feet, six feet, eight feet, <laughs> right? To, get, to let you know how deep the snow was. The other thing they provided, though, very important, was that was the edge of the road. 
if you went beyond those snow poles, either one of two things was going to happen. Either you're going to drive into a snow drift, or worse yet, you would fall off the edge of the mountain, right? Down into the valley below. Not cool. It was not a vacation. Yeah, was that, was, vacation. yeah that, was, that was pretty stressful. So, you know, thinking about that related to God is, you know, God gives us guidance. Yeah. He guides us and he also protects us. He guides us and he also protects us. Psalm 32, verse 8 says this, I will instruct you and teach you in the way that you should go. I will counsel you with my eye upon you. And then in James chapter 1, verse 5, it says, If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask God, which gives generously to all without reproach, and it will be given to him. You know, we need God's wisdom to guide us in today's world. We live in an age of information or the information age, right? So if you want to know something, what do you do? Back in the day when he and I were in school and in college, if we needed to study or do some kind of research or we needed information, we had to get in the car and go to the library. We had to go dig through these little card catalog things and go find them. Yeah, it's crazy. What do you do now? You go to the Internet, right? Say you get a spot on your arm. What do you do? You Google it. You go and you Google it, and you see the spot, and you can find someone who's written something about that spot. And they might have even uploaded pictures of the spot, right? And they'll tell you all about it, what caused it, you know, how to get rid of it, what it means, blah, blah, blah. But the problem with relying on what the world tells us is that it's not a solid source of advice or guidance, and it can be confusing. What I mean by that is, just like you found one person to tell you all about that spot, you can find a ton more to tell you something totally different about the same spot. That's right. When we rely on what we know or what we see or hear or even what we've experienced, we are relying on information that changes. That's right. 30 years ago, we thought CDs were the best thing in the world for music, right? Yeah. Now we get our music from some cloud somewhere. The world around us is fluid. It changes, but God doesn't change, y'all. He is immovable. He does not change. His character is steady. It's true. When we rely on what he says or who he is, then we found that immovable anchor for our souls and for our lives. If he will Come on, that's good. And he will protect us. God is really the only source that we can trust. Right. And you may ask me why. Because he doesn't change. He's not fluid like the yeah. world or like Come the information on. in the world. Yeah. Remember, he loves you. That's his character. And he wants what's best for every one of us. That's right. That never changes. That is consistent. When you need to know what to do about a specific pr- uh, situation or problem, then just go to him in prayer. Don't go to everything else you can think of, anybody else you can think of. Don't go to the Internet. Don't go to your mom, your friend, whatever. Just go straight to God. His word says that when we seek him with our whole heart, we will find him. Yes, that's good. We just have to remember that his character is never in question. That's right. It is good. It's compassionate. And he loves us. He's a good, good father who wants to give good things to his children. That's right. And God will always give us the right long-term solution to the things that we face in this world. Oh, y'all catch that long-term solution. Come on. Keywords, long-term solution. This world will give us a quick fix, 
a quick fix to make us feel better in the moment. But you know what? God's not about temporary fixes. Come on. God is on. concerned with our long-term solutions. A quick fix, God knows, is going to probably cause us more pain in the future. That's right. That's right. God is concerned with our here and now as much as he's concerned with our eternity. Yeah. He's concerned yeah. with our here and now. He brings us comfort in these times of uncertainty. You know, King David wrote the book of Psalms, or he wrote most of the book of Psalms, um, and it's actually one of the longest books in the Bible. And in that book of Psalms, if you read through it, King David questions God. He, qu he doesn't question his character. He questions God. Where are you? Look at all the stuff that I'm going through. This is King David. He was a man after God's own heart. He's questioning God. He's talking. He's complaining, actually. He's telling him about all his problems, his fears, his issues, his drama. All throughout the book of Psalms, we hear that. But at the same time, it's in those books that King David realizes that God truly is his all. Yeah, that's so good. God is our all. He's all we need. I want to read to you Psalm 23 from the Message Translation. It says, God, my shepherd, I don't need a thing. Come on. You have bedded me down in lush meadows. You find me quiet pools to drink from. True to your word, you let me catch my breath. Yeah. And you send me in the right direction. Even when the way goes through Death Valley, I am not afraid when you walk by my side. Right. Your trusty shepherd's crook makes me feel secure. You serve me a six-course dinner right in front of my enemies. Amen. You revive my drooping head. My cup brims with blessing. Your beauty, your love, chates after me every day of my life. Wow. How beautiful. How beautiful. Some of you, yeah, come on. Let's, let's give that up for God. God. <laughs> Yeah, some of you that may be a little new to church, maybe you haven't heard the, the message version of things. It's, it's just a more kind of modern way to, to, to look at Scripture, and that's just beautifully said. You know, when we've settled in our hearts that God loves us, that He's good, it gives us rest and it gives us peace. Gives us rest and peace. You know, Psalm 23 was written by King David. They believe probably toward the end of his life, uh, around 3,000 years ago now, when, when King David wrote that. But you see, by the time King David had written this psalm, he had experienced God's consistency for himself. He had experienced God's guidance for himself. And he had experienced God's comfort for himself. He knew what he was talking about when he wrote Psalm 23. But what's beautiful about God's word and King David's beautiful psalm is that it applies as much today as it did back then. So we've come here today to present Psalm 23, David's psalm to God on September 19th, 2021 here at Pursuit Church. It has the same value and meaning as it did to King David back then. Isn't that beautiful? Isn't that beautiful that God's word endures? God is consistent in a world of inconsistency. Wow, beautiful. God wants to guide you in your life. 
because his character and his love for you has not changed. The question is, do we want God's peace still today? Do we want his joy? Do we want his provision and his protection? Because he's fully ready to give it to us. It's a question of, do we want it, right? God never changes. It's us that needs to draw close. God's word says, if you draw close to me, I will draw close to you. That's what his word says. So because we serve a loving Heavenly Father who wants to give us good things, He stands ready to do that. Do we want it? Do you? Let me just ask this. Do you want to belong to God? Do you want to be His child? Faith in Jesus Christ and what He did for us on the cross is what brings us into that right relationship with God. That is what is ne- That's all that's needed. That's really all that's needed. And if you're not sure today if you belong to God and you want him to be the Lord of your life, Jesus is here waiting right now for you to accept that invitation. All you have to do is pray a simple prayer. And this is what I'm going to ask. If everyone would just bow your heads, all eyes closed here. Many of you here may have accepted Christ in your life. Wonderful. We want to celebrate that. But there may be somebody here that has never done that. And to support them and also to just remind ourselves of the commitments and acceptance that we have already made with Christ. I'd like us all to just pray this prayer together. Dear God, be merciful to me. Because of your faithful love and great compassion. I know that I'm a sinner. And I ask you to forgive me for my sin. Take away my guilt, my shame, and my regrets. I believe that Jesus died for my sin. And rose from the dead. Today I ask you to come into my heart and be the Lord of my life. Make my spirit strong and ready to obey you. In Jesus' mighty name, and everybody said, amen, amen, amen. Woo! The Bible says that all of heaven celebrates when one sinner turns back around, when one person comes back to God. So let's, let's, let's celebrate for a minute with God. Yeah. You know, making a decision to follow Jesus with your whole life is a huge thing. It's a big deal. You know, and in the days to come, you may hear a voice in your head that says, nothing really happened here today, that it was just emotions, it wasn't real. But that's not true. I want you to know that if you prayed that prayer and meant it with your whole heart, that you are saved. Your name is now written in the Lamb's Book of Life, and your future is secure. Something did happen. And we have a simple little booklet right back here in the right side of the back of the auditorium that will kind of explain to you what happened and give you some next steps. And I want to say that the Bible is the Word of God. It's the real true thing that we need to walk out this new life in Christ. And if you don't have a Bible, we have a very simple translation back here in the back corner, and they'll be happy to give you that as well. 
So as your pastors, I want you to know that we're praying for you by name. We're happy for you. And um, we're glad that you made that decision today. If there's anybody else that would like prayer for anything else as well in the back, there's someone back there waiting to pray with you and for you. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. We pray that it will sink deep down into our hearts and that every single one of us will be changed from the inside out. In the mighty name of Jesus Christ, amen. Amen, amen. amen. Let's give it up for the Lord. Thank you. If God is transforming your life through this ministry, join us in reaching others by partnering with us today. You can give at PursuitChurchSA.com give. Thank you for listening and remember to follow us to enjoy more messages like this.